Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. There's a special, just God's presence in this house. And uh, there's something very sacred about this moment. And um, we started uh, last week speaking, and I want to thank God for Saul Martinez that he was here ministering last week. Um, and at occasions, Pastor Greg has, has come and interrupted the flow, and, and he's done a lot of damage to some of you. And I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, we, we um, began to shift last week, and we want to talk about relationships or being all in, the acronym all in. Most of us, when, we, when God calls us to serve him at the beginning, there's something about fresh starts, something about being born again, being, saw, being saved, like being in God's presence, having all your sins washed away, like starting brand new. And there's like this incredible energy, this focus about telling God, I'm all in. Something happens over time that the, most of the time, even in relationships, especially in marriages, that something happens. The, the fire uh, becomes much less and less intense. The focus is, is now blurred. Uh, the energy is like unfocused energy. And then we begin to just uh, fall into this, this trap of being, uh, you know, reticent, lazy. Um, and that doesn't scale toward like giving God your very best. And so our team, our pastors, when we were getting together, we just felt like we need a, we're going to do a, a series on being all in. And what does that mean? And so last, last week we talked about being all in in unity, like united, uh, united in Christ, united with each other, aligned with God's purposes for his church, for your life, for your family, for your relationships. Today I want to talk about authentic re uh, relationships. I want to talk about authentic relationships. And last week, Pastor Saul Martinez shared like our Lifehouse values, our Lifehouse values. And uh, when I was listening, I was uh, seeing it. I was actually up there uh, sitting and just enjoying the service. Um, I said, you know what? I'm going to share those values again one more time. All In is an acronym that the, this church developed uh, several years ago. And God put in my heart and then the leaders about being all in. The A stands for authentic, being authentic. Uh, the, this, this A of being authentic with respect to authenticity, there's a, um, if, if you're up there, Abe, if, you, if you've got that, I'd like to, for everybody to enjoy that or at least see it or take a picture of what, of what the A stands for, authentic. That if we live with authenticity, nothing else matters. But if we don't live with authenticity, nothing else matters. And I, I know we have it, and it'll, it'll be up here, I believe. And then our second, that's for A. The L stands for love God and love people. Love God and love people. Thank you, guys. Um, we love God the most so we can love others best. We love God the most so we, love, so we can love others like the best way that we can. Uh, the second L in all is um, we live dead. It's really, um, um, well, it's a really powerful oxymoron, if you will. How can you live and be dead and be dead and live? And in Christ Jesus, all, most of the principles are upside down. 
that if you want to uh, receive, you have to give. If you want to live, you have to die to yourself. Uh, that if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you need to become the smallest or the least of these. And so we live dead because uh, we never let praise get to our head or criticism get to your heart because then it'll depress you or you can get a big head because at the end of the day, it's not about us. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about Christ Jesus. So that's what living dead is in essence. So um, the, the first I in N is we're intentional. And all of this, this could be an acronym that I think that all of us, all of you can say, hey, I want to want to live this way. That'll be my life's model because it could be really something that scales toward where you say, man, this is this model or for us, it's our core values for Lifehouse um, is to be intentional, that we always promote the things that we value or that have value and we remove, we eliminate those things that bring distractions, uh, that distract us, us, that distract us or detract from our purpose. Um, and that's being intentional. And the last N in all N is we never compromise. Excellence is not found in being, being the best, but in doing your best. That's where excellence is, is in doing your best. How many say amen? I want to just go one step further. And many of us maybe don't know the mission of this church. The, the mission is to transform lives. It's very, it's two-pronged. Transform lives, impact communities. Transform lives, impact, impact communities with the life-giving message of this gospel. How many say amen? That, that's that's, that's our, our heart. That is our mission. Uh, that is what God has called this church to do, is that we believe that every life can be transformed. Even people that come to church for a long time, maybe you were born and raised in church and you take things for granted. Maybe you've been struggling and you've come to church or maybe this is a first time for you, but we believe that every life, every life can be transformed with the gospel of Jesus Christ. How many say amen? And that God has called this church uh, to impact the community everywhere where God plants a life house. God has called us to be salt of the earth, to be a light, uh, uh, to, to be the light uh, in, the, in the darkness, uh, to be the light in the wor of the world, and to be the salt of the earth, and to impact communities with this life-giving message. It's a, it's a four-pronged four uh, mission um, that has the, uh, the first, that we embrace, uh, we embrace the, the great commandment. Most of us know the great commandment is to love God with all your heart, your strength, your mind, and your soul, um, and then to love your neighbor as we do ourselves. So we believe in embracing uh, the great commandment. We believe in engaging in the great commission is to go, therefore, and preach this gospel, to teach it to everyone, to baptize, to assimilate, to grow, to integrate uh, people to the kingdom of God. We believe that God has called us to equip believers to ministry. Those of us, everyone, that, that God wants us to encourage and equip and empower um, uh, everyone to do your role, to embrace the reason why God has called you. And then that God has called us to empower and commission the next generation, the next generation of leaders and pastors and missionaries uh, to the ministry that God has called them to do. How many say amen? In my heart, um, it's not up here, but, but the vision of this church is that together, together, we can lead thousands of people through the different platforms. We have the in-person platform, we have online platform, we have the life group platform, and then we have the leadership pipeline, leadership. Four platforms that we believe are important to, to propagate, to share, uh, to change people's lives, uh, people's lives. And that God has called Lifehouse. 
with the five focus, five, the five focus or our five priorities is to reach the lost. Say it with me, reach the lost. So that's why Jesus left heaven is to reach that which was lost to save it. And then our second priority, and that's why we have the different things that we have, but we've really focused and invested in children's ministry is to retain the next generation, retain the next generation. The third focus is to uh, disciple the believer is to have every person that God calls and you come to church is not stay idle, not be comfortable to put you on edge, to, to have yourself, ask yourself, how do I need, what do I need to do to grow? And we believe that that discipleship process is largely can happen through, uh, the, the vehicle of life groups, uh, through that life is better done, better lived, uh, that you can scale, enlarge yourself or go beyond if you say yes uh, to walking in the company of others in life groups. Uh, the fourth, uh, first is like reach the lost, retain the next generation, disciple the believer. The fourth is it's really powerful is to um, equip and empower emerging leaders. We believe that there's a leader almost in every person here, somebody that God wants to cultivate, develop, take you to the next level. So we, we call that a pipeline and we want to do it through a school of ministry and a school of leadership, school of ministry and a school of leadership. And then God's called uh, this church to multiply, uh, to multiply. And then by God's grace, like seven years ago, I know I was, some of you know that I was a, a superintendent of a school district or a principal of a high school for many years. And then God spoke to my, my heart and said for me to transition just to, to, to ministry, full-time ministry. And I, I told God and I said, God, would you speak to Linda? Because we were really comfortable with a lifestyle that comes with, you know, that kind of a, a proportional salary for that responsibility and the different benefits. And I said to God, you know, just in my prayer, as I began to feel the burden, speak to my wife, just talk to Linda uh, about it. And then I will know that that's like a fleece. I'll know that that is like evidence that God is, this is not just me. It's not me feeling guilty or feeling responsible. But this is you. And about two or three days later, we were there. We were reading in our beds. And, and then Linda says, Saul, can I talk to you? And then she just said, uh, don't you feel, haven't you felt in your heart that God is calling you to, to focus just exclusively on the ministry full time? And like my hair stood up. And they're like, whoa, that was like quick. Uh, and so we just began to obey God. If it wasn't, you know, and I, I, I shared with her like all the reasons why we shouldn't yet. And then, you know, all the, the different reasons. And she says, but don't you think that's the, that's the Isaac that we need to put on the altar? That if it doesn't cost us, if there's no sacrifice, then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it doesn't cost, if it, there's no price behind it. And so we just said yes to God. And, and then shortly right after, God began to speak to our hearts and my heart and our leadership team about who we are. Because what's in a name? And then we just began and was just Lifehouse was birthed um, in terms of its mission, its fresh vision to, to lead thousands of people to know God, grow together, go serve and make a difference. And then so just God, all of a sudden we have Delano that God gave us and birthed Wasco, um, a Lifehouse Wasco. Uh, then recently we had Lifehouse Coachella Valley. That's Bakersfield, Wasco, Delano, Coachella Valley. Today we're soft launching. There's a soft launch in East Bakersfield. How many say amen? East Bakersfield. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. 
Some of you know and some of you do not know that there's Lifehouse Tijuana, TJ, right across the border. There's a, there's a great sanctuary that God has given us, a temple or a, a, a facility that seats easily 800 people, maybe 1,000. And then the, God has just been doing things. And then online, the, the ministry online, that's like seven campuses, like in three or four years that God has helped us just be able to launch. The reason I'm sharing is because I'd like for everyone to just feel like, like, like you are part of this. Your, your, your service, your worshiping, uh, just trusting God. This is not a, a perfect church. Um, it'll never be. It might not be everything you want it to be, but there's nothing stopping you, my brother, my sister, to becoming what God is asking you to become. Uh, for you, when you see a gap, when you see a weakness, feel it. Uh, say yes to being a part of a leader. Grow in leadership. Grow in. And there's, a, there's an area that God has put in your heart that you are passionate for, that you are gifted, or that you feel a, a felt need. Like, and this is a season where you're struggling in this area, and, and you know that's where God wants you to either join a life group or lead one. There are other mothers just like you. There are other fathers. There are other men that are walking, struggling with certain areas that you would wish for somebody to come uh, and, and be a walk in company of others. Areas where God has gifted you, where there's an anointing, where there's favor, there's grace, uh, there's a, a set of uh, skills that God has given you. And you are the person that God is asking to step up, uh, to get equipped, to read about that area, to become knowledgeable, uh, connect with our, our life group director, uh, Sister Carmen, and just say, hey, for 2023, I'd love to be able to, to lead a life group or be part of a life group that addresses this area. Um, and um, that where I can grow and develop. So I want to share with you, and I'd like for everyone just to be patient today because I, I felt like to lay a foundation or to remind everybody what God has called us to do and be, that this is not about having church on Sunday. This is not about gathering a crowd or trying to be more, have more, uh, do more. This is really about can this church, can this church pivot along with everybody here and say, and begin to pray, God, help us reach the lost. Have that be our first priority. Our first passion is that the lost would come to the saving knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ. How many say amen? And then with that same passion, right underneath that, uh, is, is help us retain the next generation. That God would use this church, that God would raise a, a youth ministry. That we need to be praying for Emmanuel and, and Sister Adeli and Linda that helps us with the kids, my wife with the, with the children, that, that, that those ministries would be powerful, that our kids would be having encounters with God so that we retain the next generation because coming to church alone is not worth it. Coming to church alone, there's an emptiness. If, you are, if we are empty nesters later on and our kids don't serve and they don't worship and they don't honor the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then we went wrong somewhere as a church. And then as parents, something went wrong. Because this faith is supposed to be contagious. Uh, our faith is real. Our faith is the only thing that's going to save our kids uh, from a world that is lost. Uh, from our kids, from having uh, security issues and identity issues, and 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 uh, you know, with respect to their what their purpose and who they are, uh, and what God has called us to do and be. And so, I, I beg you, I ask you, I implore you, I I uh, challenge all of us to to if we just rally, if we say, you know what, let's 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 ask God, what is God asking me to do, and what does God want me to be, and and how does God want me to interact. 
All of that, I said, I'm going to just go through something that God, you know, that we're all preaching this morning, but God put some verses in my heart that I want to share with you with respect to authentic relationships, authentic relationships, that the inauthentic relationships, the the, uh, relationships that are superficial, that are not authentic, they're not real, they're not deep, they're not meaningful. It happens even in church. It happens with your relationship with God with your relationship with each other or with us, with ourselves. Um, God help us because when those relationships become surface and they're just routine with our spouses, our husbands and wives, when that couple begins to just go through routine and there isn't those conversation, frequent conversations, when, when we've lost the notion of that, that especially men, we, we have a hard time listening and sitting down to listen to our wives and let them share their hearts and for us to turn off the television and, and then just be much more communicable. Uh, be able to be open and listen to the, 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 the longings, the hurts, the desires, the conversation that our wives have and v- v- vice versa. Um, you know, uh, I think that, that my journey with, with Linda has been really, really special. And I don't, sometimes I don't talk about it or brag about it because sometimes it's in, in contrast, dire contrast with somebody else struggling. And I don't want to sound like we're boasting because I don't want it to be from a source of pride because then, then that's what will ruin it. If you, if you want to boast about something, just talk about it and then watch God take it away. Uh, go, go ahead and boast about your kids and watch them go the wrong way. Uh, just boast about your job. I had an uncle that just like, really, like, I got the best job, da, 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 da. Like the very next week, he lost it. He got fired from his job. I'm not kidding. It's just, and then just God would tell me in my heart, don't boast. But I want to tell you something that is true. If you love Christ, as you love Christ, as you grow in your relationship with Christ, so will your relationships with each other. So, so will your relationships. Any authenticity on part of anybody, on the part of anybody, has to do with, the, with a very shallow relationship with Christ. That yes, you are born again, and yes, we are saved, and thank God for it. But if we don't grow uh, in Christ, in the knowledge of Christ, if, if you're not like, like, whoa, like growing and, and going to the next level. When my wife and I were struggling and having children, almost seven years, for six years, um, and, and that, uh, the more the, the, that became a crisis, the more that became an issue in our relationship, I, I got married late in life. And, and uh, you know, all of us know about the biological clock. And, and, and so we just felt like, uh-oh, you know, the time is unfolding. We, we would love to become parent, parents. We wouldn't tell anybody because we thought it was private. But it was really pride more than privacy. It was, it was not that it was not anybody else's business, is that we could not share because we had not grown in that area. You know, most of you know Linda, she's a, a, an introvert. She keeps to herself. Uh, myself, it was like, hey, this is just between us and God. And then the Holy Spirit begins to show me pride, pride, pride. And we began to share with our, the, the board of this church and with our family members, hey, when they would ask, hey, are you guys thinking of having children? And we would say, hey, pray for us. Uh, we've been thinking of having children for a while, and it hasn't just happened. Would you pray? And it just changed the conversation. When I shared with the church uh, some time ago, about 14 years ago, um, I just felt like, you know what, I'm going to share it with the brothers, and I'm going to share it with the church. Hey, folks, Linda and I are struggling. Uh, talk about authentic relationships, being a more authentic pastor, more transparent, uh, more real. Uh, we don't, nobody has it all together. There are areas in our life where all of us struggle. 
Well, that's why we need each other. That's why you need real relationships when somebody can, can like rally to your help, rally to your areas of struggle and pain and relationships uh, shortcomings. When I share that, I mean, there were like dozens of ladies, of sisters who came over and prayed for Linda, uh, put, her hands, uh, put their hands on her, just her, her womb and her, her, her shoulders, her head. They began to pray. Every Sunday we would have somebody's sister. I prayed and they would begin to prophesy and they say, God is going to give you kids. I want to tell you something that is totally like, like Linda and I were, uh, finally we were pregnant and, and we went that weekend, we were in San Diego. Um, nobody knew. It was just, this, this was like we wanted to keep it because, you know, pregnancies at the first stages are, are very uh, volatile. Um, they're not a sure thing. And so we were in uh, San Diego, First Assembly of God in San Diego for a week. And I was there speaking in the evening. But we were there a, a Sunday morning. We went to a, a church like, just like this one. And so there, the, the speaker spoke. Not as good as I'm preaching today, but it was okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but, but Linda and I felt like we were going to come. We came forward. And two ladies came and, and they, they, stand, they stood there with Linda. And they began, one of them began to say, Sister, wow, God is showing me that you're expecting. Like, like there was nothing showing. It was like, like two weeks or three weeks that we know you're, you're expecting. And we just want to tell you that God is going to bless you. Don't be afraid. You're, th this baby... This baby boy, she began to say, this baby boy is going to be special. Just like her father. Just like his father. No, they didn't say that. They, they didn't say that. Uh, just, I, 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 that was the sorry. I apologize. But they began to just speak life to her. Like just the presence of God. They said to us, to her, things that nobody, nobody else would know. And you're not going to know this morning because I'm not going to share right now. Uh, because I feel like it's confession time. So, but, but I want to just share with you authentic relationships. Um, and um, there's a, a story in scripture that I want you to go there, or, or you're going to see it up here on the screen. Uh, Solomon, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, Solomon sees a man and he says, this man is all alone. So I want to share with everybody here, for every man and every woman, that maybe you know people, you live in company of people, but in your heart you are alone. You're not understood. You feel like nobody understands you. Nobody maybe cares. Even the people that are related to you, children, husband, wife, uh, you, you just feel like, like you're struggling. And there's an emptiness. There's a spirit of being an orphan and or, or, or in your heart. And so he says, I saw a man and who was all alone. And watch this, without a child, no, no, no progeny, uh, and without a brother, like, watch what it means, watch the implications. And yet he works hard to gain a wealth, as much wealth as he can. But then at the end, he asks himself, who am I? Who am I? And then who am I working for? What am I doing? And who am I working? Why am I here on the God's green earth? And then he says, and then why am I like, like being so, um, um, you know, um, so disciplined, or, or not disciplined, but why austere? Why am I being so, so austere? So, so I, I'm, I'm denying myself to, I can't even enjoy life is what he says. Um, and then all this is meaningless and, um, and it's empty. It's depressing is what he says. And so Solomon shows us a man, could be easily one of us, a woman who's alone, 
really has no deep relationships with anybody, no friends, not even with the neighbors, uh, no, no one to continue his work after him, no successor, uh, no child, meaning that his relationship with his wife is, is one of impotence. It's impotence. Uh, it is, he might have a wife. Maybe he doesn't. But it shows that he cannot engage in, in, in long-term relationships. That's what it shows, is that, that he's unable to sustain relationships, uh, foment them, and then cultivate them, and make them grow and scale to a relationship that is meaning, meaningful. It happens all the time with husband and wives. Uh, there's love, uh, something brings us together, and then something just begins to fall apart little by little, and the wife understands, she begins to know, my husband doesn't, doesn't pay attention, or is not focused, or doesn't look at me the way he used to, or the husband is feeling like maybe the wife is no longer uh, as interested, as close, as communicative. And something begins to happen where all of a sudden there is impotence in that relationship. That relationship becomes impotent. No ability to produce offspring. And I'm not talking physical kids. I'm talking spiritual uh, offspring. Like dreams. Like, like birth. Uh, new projects. And next level conversations. All of a sudden it's just like we're just living together like two strangers in the same house or in the same home with a certificate that says we're living, we're married, but it doesn't feel like I'm married. It's as if I'm all alone. The, the kids don't have the same maturity to appreciate a mom, by the way, the way uh, older kids um, have that ability to make a mom or a dad feel real, really appreciated, uh, appreciated, really important. And, and it's almost like you're walking and, and there's a sense of, of, of emptiness. He's also in denial. Uh, this man, this, this is, he's in denial about his future. He's a workaholic. He just buries himself in his work. That's what most men, a lot of men do. Work, and then we come home, and we sit down, and we want to be entertained. We want television, and we don't want to, to set around to, a time to interact, spend time with the kids, especially with our wives, or vice versa. And I'm not picking on men. Yes, I am. I'm picking on men. But it goes both ways. Relational impotence. He has no brother. I want you to think of the implications. It doesn't mean that he didn't have brothers or siblings or sisters. It just means he has no relationship. Uh, you might as, like maybe some of us, you have siblings, but you might as well not have them. Because it's so rare when you like engage in meaningful interaction. And for those of you that do, you are so rich. You are so special. You don't know what you have if you gather with your family often or frequently. Most people gather and see family in funerals, funerals, or, or a wedding maybe where you feel obligated and the person feels obligated to invite you. They don't really want you there. I'm not kidding. The person writes an invitation. You are his second or third cousin or brother or sister. But if you don't make it, they won't cry. It, it, it won't matter. Uh, it's just going to save them money anyway with a dinner and a meal that you're not going to like anyway and you're going to criticize anyway and they know it. Thank you. And uh, he has no child, has no brother, has no family bonds, no legacy in sight. Um, he gets lost in his word. He's materialistic. He wants more money, um, always wanting to have more. And he's in denial uh, because he did not ever learn how to engage in authentic relationships, how to build a relationship that scales and that lasts and that endures for a lifetime. Those relationships are available. They are real. 
we can engage in those relationships. And that's what this message is all about. It's a call for everyone here to say, okay, pastor, what do I need to do to engage in that kind of relationships? Uh, I love this quote from D.L. Moody. I've said it many a times. We should never fear. You should not fear failure, but success where it doesn't matter. You should not fear uh, failure. Don't, don't be afraid of failure. Be afraid of success where it doesn't matter. This man was a success at working. As a matter of fact, he was building money. And then he finally realizes, what am I going to do with all this money? Um, who am I going to leave it? I have no legacy. I have no successor. I have no heir. Uh, I have uh, my, my relationship with, with the wife is silent. Like silent. He might as well not have a wife. He probably did because the Bible says he had no child. And if he had children, what he's meaning, what he's meaning is that those children left a long time ago and they're no longer part of his, of his sphere of influence. And he's alone. I saw a man who was alone. Uh, Ecclesiastes um, 4 verse 8. That's why Solomon says in the same chapter, two people are better than one. They're better off than one. They can help each other succeed. They can help each other succeed. If, if, but someone who falls uh, alone is in real trouble. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two that stand back to back, in other words, my, my wife has my back and I have her back, or we have each other's back in a life group, um, because life is better together, and change, meaningful change, happens in the context of relationships, of relationships. Um, three are even better than two, he says. Three are even better. The implication is that four is better than three, six are better than four, and so on, if they're together, if they're bound. If they're intertwined, if they walk in a life group, if they walk in companionship, if they text, call each other, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. We're, 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 we help with each other's burdens. We help one another with each other's burdens. The four building blocks of any authentic, real relationship. The first one is authenticity, is to be real. Nobody, nobody wants to be part of a relationship with somebody is fake. Somebody's always pretending. Somebody's always, uh, you know, putting a mask on, uh, trying to showcase, trying to, 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 to pretend something, to be something that they're not. Everybody sees a fake a mile away. Uh, and all of us are, re are repulsed by hypocrisy. We don't like hypocrisy. The only, the only place where we tolerate hypocrisy is with ourselves. Like we know we're hypocrites and we're okay with ourselves being a hypocrite. But very few people tolerate other people who are hypocritical. And, and that's why it's relationships, the, the husband finds out or the wife finds out, hey, my husband is not the real deal. My husband is struggling in these areas or my wife is struggling or the husband comes home and, and, and there is nagging and complaints and just negative. And who would want to, to a, come back to a home like that, that there's just tension um, and all kinds of uh, um, you know, negative conversations and negative outcomes or the wife uh, comes home or, or the husband is always on the negative and never being able to see uh, the, the picture the way God sees the picture. Authenticity is about being real, being real all the time, even when you're not at your best. It's about letting go of pride, the pride of pretense and the pretense of pride. For pride and pretense go hand in hand. Pride goes before the fall and a haughty, prideful spirit, pretentious, a pretentious spirit um, before calamity, before destruction, uh, uh, Solomon says. Um, 
And um, so, regardless of authentic, uh, so regardless, authenticity is a big, big deal for Jesus Christ. So, in the twelfth chapter of uh, of Luke, Jesus says that that the Pharisees would hide themselves, that the Pharisees would pretend to be something, would pretend to be righteous, composed. They have it all together, and they would put burdens on other people that they themselves wouldn't do. Talk about hypocrisy! And Jesus says that's hypocritical. That's a relationship. I don't want you to have a relationship with that, with the church or anybody, any minister, any person who is, who is hypocritical. Act self-righteous. They're better. They're more pure. They're holier. They don't, they don't mess around or they don't do this. Uh, but, but at the reality, in reality, they're putting burdens, relationship burdens on people that they don't even uh, live up to. And, and so Jesus says, avoid those kind of relationships. Those are, are relationships that are heavy and lead nowhere. Um, so Psalm 139, so, so to achieve like, like this balance and becoming authentic, um, search me, O oh God, search me. That's a great prayer. Um, search me. Uh, and then know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Uh, point out anything, show me anything that offends you is this prayer that, that David is saying to God, point out areas that I am not living uh, in keeping with your best will, where there's hypocrisy, uh, where there's waywardness, there's pride. Point them out to me. Show me so that I can fix them and then lead me along the path of everlasting life. Authenticity is about being true to yourself, being honest with yourself and being honest with others. It's putting aside pretense and show and, 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 and trying to project something that we don't have, we don't know, and we are not. Um, so as a follower of Christ, you and I need to ask ourselves, am I being genuine? Am I the real deal? Am I the real husband? Um, is there, is there uh, something that in my heart that I need to share and I need to confess with somebody that needs to be exposed to the light of day before it destroys me and destroys my relationships and my ability to have authentic, genuine, real, deep relationships that are meaningful, that are meaningful? Um, does, this, the second block that is indispensable for uh, is selflessness. Not only authenticity, I'm talking to, um, just about the four building blocks of authentic relationships. The second one is selflessness. Selflessness. That's loving God and valuing others more than we love and care about ourselves. Loving God and valuing others more than we care and love and uh, value and care about ourselves. Putting others, putting yourself in others' shoes before you criticize them before you badmouth, before you undermine your husband, your wife, their past, their struggles. Um, and um, even Jesus did not presume upon, upon his royalty. When Jesus, when he came to earth, he took the form of man, of a servant, left his titles in heaven, grabbed a towel and washed the feet of humanity. So he who was immortal became mortal took the form of a servant, humbled himself and allowed himself to be uh, crucified um, like a vile criminal. So Jesus did that for you so that you and I could do the same for others. In the Bible there is like 59 one another's, love one another, be devoted to one another, honor one another, especially husbands and wives, honor. Um, live in harmony with one another, Romans 12, build up one another, Romans 14, be like-minded with one another and Christ. Uh, serve one another, Galatians 5. Bear one another's burdens, Galatians 6. Forgive one another. Uh, transgressions and shortcomings, um, Ephesians 4. Be patient with one another. Speak truth 
and love to one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Um, submit to one another. There is the big one right there is submission. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Clothe yourself with humility. Pray for one another, James 5. Confess your faults to one another, James 5, 16. The third building block for authentic relationships is forgiveness. Forgiveness. At the end of the day, if you don't develop, this is, a, this is not just a virtue. It's a, it's a learned skill. Forgiving people, is, it's a learned um, uh, behavior. It's learned behavior um, to, to realize that it's the act of releasing and blessing those who have offended you, who have abandoned you, abused you, rejected you, hurt you. Again, it is releasing. It is no longer taking it personally. It's no longer having a vindictive heart like, hey, that person hurt me. That person is uh, full of pride, says the person that is full of pride too. Um, it's releasing and blessing those who have offended you even recently. It's, it's understanding your husband's hurts and pains or your wife's struggle with depression or loneliness as a husband. It is the bearing, being, and helping, encouraging one another. It's waiting patiently to, uh, for that other person, one another, until they have a breakthrough, um, until they go beyond their depression, until they see the light of day, until they start freshly again. It's, it's being faithful to your vows, to your covenant vows to God. Ephesians 4.33, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God has forgiven you forgiveness. And our Father, the prayer of our Father, it comes to the point where it says, forgive me my trespasses. Um, in the same way, manner, means, and the degree that I forgive those who have offended me or have trespassed or sinned against me. I'll say that again. Our Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me of my trespasses, my offenses, my sins. To the same degree, manner, and means that I forgive those who have done the same to me. So, so here it is. It's reciprocity. It's something that you, you only receive forgiveness when you dispense it, when you give it. Uh, then Jesus continued to say up there, help me, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive others uh, when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father uh, will not forgive your sins. That is heavy duty. That's why I believe a lot of us are stuck in muck. We're, you're stuck. You're in trouble. You, you actually hate people. You disdain people. Uh, you remember who's hurt you, when they hurt you. Uh, the moment, the second, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, the offense, the, the, the uh, insult, and, and you've not been able to move beyond the, the pain or the insult or the, uh, um, the offense, and you're stuck. Because if you don't forgive, release. Forgive, release, pray. Forgive uh, verbally, even if you don't feel it in your heart, you release them. And then the way you're going to end up feeling it in your heart is you pray for them. When you pray for somebody, you'll, you'll just, you can't pray for somebody and not, and hate them. Like, God, would you bless this person that I hate with all my, you know, with all my, you just, just, you just can't do both the same. And so Colossians 3, 13 says, bear with each other and forgive, bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, as the Lord forgave you. Uh, Romans 12, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Just 17 more points. Since we're, since we're all one body in Christ, 
We all belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. Each of us need everyone uh, to be part of the body. So again, the four building blocks of authentic relationships, it's authenticity. Um, the, w without it, we're building in vain. You're, you're not going anywhere. Authenticity, selflessness, being selfless, forgiveness. And then the fourth one here is loyalty. Loyalty is basically a combination of uncompromised, is commitment, faithfulness, and stick to uh, Commitment, faithfulness, and, and having stick to stick to um, Loyalty is, um, is a response because God is loyal to you. God is faithful to you. God is committed to you. We should do the same thing with everyone else. Uh, genuine loyalty is unmerited. They don't have to earn your loyalty. Uh, you already pray. You already love people because God prays and God loves you. Uh, it's a decision. Uh, that's built behind action. And loyalty is not a feeling. It's not a predilection. Loyalty is a character trait. It's a learned behavior. It's a spiritual value. David was loyal to the sheep. To his sheep. That's why God raised him. Because if he could be loyal to his sheep, uh, he could be loyal to God. Uh, David was loyal to King Saul, the 30 men, uh, Jonathan. Um, uh, David was loyal to a people, to Jerusalem, when Absalom was trying to kill him. David could have uh, barred himself. He could have used Jerusalem as his, as his uh, castle, if you will, his house. He could have put armed men there and it would have been a dear price for anybody to get him. But you know what he did? He left the city of Jerusalem because he was loyal to the people. He didn't want the people to suffer on his account. So he left the city uh, because he cared about the people. He was loyal. I'm gonna finish with this. There's a what is called a, a model diagram or uh, the Johari, the Johari, a window model um, that I just want to finish with this. The Johari window model is really about having you understand yourself better, especially in your development, um, your relationships. Um, and it's a, it's a window of understanding why some of us struggle in our relationships. But this model helps us understand self-awareness, like, like better self-awareness, like what do you need to do to, to go to the next level? How do you improve communications, interpersonal relationships? Um, it's um, it's uh, from uh, Luft was his name, Joe Luft and uh, Harry Ing Ing Ingram, Ingram. Joe and Harry, that's how it became Joe Harry. Never mind, that's, that's, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. This is called the Joe Harry. Um, and just real quickly, um, if you've got your notes, I just want to, it'll help you. This is a great Bible study. This is a great, uh, this is a great, if you look this up, it'll help you understand why some of us struggle in our relationships. So the first, um, the first quadrant over here to my left or your left is what other people know and you know about yourself. It's called your open self. That's what in your notes is, it's the um, social media you. It's the social media. It's the things that everybody and you know about yourself. Uh, through social media, it's your open you. It's what's easy to discern, easy to know. It's what everybody, including yourself, knows about yourself. And that could be a hindrance or that could be your strength. Uh, but that is just one part of what helps you or, 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 or totally um, uh, disconnects you from being effective in your relationship. Um, your second part over here is, is the unknown uh, to others. It is your secret self. And that, that would be the note, the secret self, uh, your private self. 
uh, those areas that nobody knows about you and that you don't dare share with anybody because most of them are maybe um, self-incriminating. But this is the area that most people get stuck, the hidden self, the secret you, information about you that you know but others don't know. Um, background, mistakes, sins, secret struggles that you have. Um, and, and then that as long as you keep those secret, as long as there's not somebody that you share and you confess, you're stuck. Um, you'll, you're, you're always as sick as your secrets are. So you'll never be healthier more than what your secrets are. So your secrets determine to what degree are you bound and a and, uh, bondage in your life. So it is, it is the hidden self. It is the secret you that keeps like the wife keeps wondering what's going on. The husband keeps, hey, what's going on? And for many, many husbands, it's, 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 it's the struggle with lust with pornography for many people, for many men. It's this struggle with their, with their flesh, their lust, their anger, their pride. For women, it's emotional struggle, uh, insecurities, uh, uh, self-esteem issues. Um, they, they get involved in emotional conversations or, or somebody begins to pay attention to you or to a wife and they begin to need um, um, help, if you will. They begin to like the attention and that's where there's a secret relationship that develops that ends up destroying relationships, the secret you. And then you have the upper quadrant up here, the unknown self or the blind or the blind you. On your notes, it's number three, the blind you. It's things that you can't see for yourself. Um, you, you need a mirror, but you don't have a mirror. So people around you see things that you don't see. People can tell you things about yourself that you don't know about, that you come across angry or arrogant uh, or boastful. Um, and that's, the, that's the, um, the blind self, the blind you. That, that it's the, like the, the meat in your teeth when you don't floss. Uh, you can't see it. It's, it's what's in your nose when, never mind, uh, I'm not going to go there. But, but somebody else sees it. Yeah? Somebody sees what's, what, but you know, and, and then, never mind. But it's there. But you don't see it, especially if you don't have a mirror, especially if you're not honest with yourself. Uh, defects. Uh, you come across angry or boastful or arrogant or prideful. You you're, you're come across angry with your kids all the time. Um, you go home, you get home, and the, the dog runs away from you. Um, and you don't know why. I'm, like, it's the blind you where other people see. And then the last one, it's the, uh, the unknown self. It's the potential you. It's what God knows about you and about your future that you can't see for yourself. Others don't see it. Others may not believe in you, but God, your creator, believes in you. The God that created you and, and created you with a purpose, amen, and created you with potential. There's a next level. There's a greater platform. There's a new you. Uh, there's a new mom, a new dad, somebody who has the potential. And only God knows. And you can discover who that new is, that, that potential you. Uh, if you embrace, I believe, this process of growing together, uh, being part of a life group, joining a life group, it's not too late uh, to ask God, God, I don't want to stay the same way. I don't want to be who I am. I want to grow and I want to have relationships that are real, authentic. And Solomon says, I saw a man. I saw a man and he was all alone. How tragic. All alone. 
No relationships. No future. All alone. Thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Lifehouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.